every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. All right, guys, fire up the siren signal. It's an emergency pod. Monday, unprecedented. I don't know how much they're paying us for this. Millions. Guys, it's the emergency NFL combine combine podcast where we're going to hit some who are the money makers, who solidified their status, and then guys that just weren't weren't too high on the radar that just uh, that just jumped up this week. I want to go really quickly hit a lot of names here, guys. Each of you, let's start right now with the money makers. By that, I mean guys that just flat out changed. Change their status, change their profile. Um, a good example, Mel, I'll let you get started. Let's start on offense. Who are the money makers? I'll give you one. DJ Chark, LSU, almost 6'3", 200 pounds, goes 4'3", 4, 4. That changed the profile, don't you think? It definitely did, especially after Senior Bowl week, to build on that momentum. He's still a body catcher, and there's still some some concerns there, but certainly Senior Bowl week and the Combine helped DJ Shark. But I, I'm going to go to another DJ, DJ Moore. Uh, and you can hit that button, Josh, because he's a Maryland guy, and i got a fence around Maryland, as Todd knows, and they don't escape me. So uh, I like these guys. Can, and yeah. Yeah, 6'2", 10, with 4'4", uh, 2 speed, uh, and a, a vertical near 40, and 11 broad, and on the heels of a heck of a career and a heck of a year and a good overall work. Out. I think DJ Moore has got to be in the late first round discussion now. So, and Mike Gasicki, the tight end at Penn State, amazed at the athleticism, the speed, everything he did. Colt Miller, UCLA, kind of expected that to tackle from UCLA. But for me, Todd, the biggest surprises were uh, not surprises, but I think guys that made money uh, by based on what they did. DJ Moore, wide receiver, Maryland, and Mike Gasicki, tight end, Penn State. Yeah, I think Hayden Hurst, the tight end for South Carolina, is another guy. Now, I know he's. You know, he's in the pro system for the Pirates in baseball, and he's got, I think he's going to be 26 years old, I want to say. He's, he's an age prospect. But, um, but this guy will block for you. He's got good size, 6'4 and a half, 250. And, you know, he put up a, a 467, which is a really good time in the 40 yard dash, 10 foot broad. Uh, he had a 719, which is a, you know, it's not Gasicki number. When you look at the two compared to one another, Gasicki had just an unbelievable workout. Herndon, though, I think during the drills was really impressive with the route running, catching the football. I think he really helped himself. And I, I think, to me, he's the best tight end. Well, uh, he's the best tight end that worked out here, the Dallas Goddard from South Dakota State. But I would say after Goddard, to me, Hurst is the most complete tight end. And then Gasicki, he's just never going to be a good blocker. That's the whole thing. And he can work on his route running, but when the ball is in the air, that explosiveness that he has, and that guy's not, not going to last long. I think they're all gone and. My guess is those three guys will be gone in the top 50 picks or so. And then at the wide receiver position, it kind of went unnoticed or overlooked a little bit. But Cortland Sutton, I went back and looked, and Sutton had a really good all-around workout. I mean, I, it was elite, actually, when you look at it. I, he runs a four-five-four, and so people kind of glossed over his workout. But at uh, 218 pounds, six three and a half, that's a really good number. Then he has a 35-and-a-half-inch vertical, a 10-4 broad jump, and then just stupid shuttle times. You ready for this? 6-5-7 at 6-foot-3-and-a-half. And a short shuttle of 4-11. 
I mean, you just you don't see those times from anybody, very rarely from even the elite speed and quickness guys. So Sutton, I didn't love the, the tape all the time. It was inconsistent. I think against top corners, he struggled. He's got to become a better route runner, get in and out of his breaks. But there is no denying that there's a lot of clay to be molded here. And I think a team is going to say, you know what? We can work with him on the route running. We don't see many human beings that can put up these kind of numbers. And he was very productive throughout his career. So I, I think he's a, a, a lock to be a top 50 pick as well. Hey, Mel, we know Saquon Barkley, what he did. We're going to get in in a few minutes into guys that solidified where they already were. couple running backs who maybe made some money. I'm thinking maybe our guy Kalen Ballage out of Arizona State. Nick Chubb had really good numbers that were kind of overlooked because of Barkley. Anybody else from the running backs that you feel like, hey, you know, they, we know running backs or even the really good ones get put into the third, second round mix. Who else maybe popped up a little bit? I think Rashad Penny, under 4-5, getting that four four five range, and, and you had the productivity and the versatility Rashad Penny from San Diego State has. I had some say late first before the combine, and now I'm not going to say he's a first-rounder. I think more of a second, but he's he's going to be tough to pass up. You get him the early to mid-second, and I'm going to go big back on Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb, I went back to that North Carolina game, and I wrote him up on ESPN.com last year after he was coming back from the injury. It wasn't 100% and went out and put up big numbers in that game, showed everything you want back to be and he ran well he tested well athletically and those athletic numbers like Kamara very important so I think Nick Chubb while Sony Michelle got the ink late and played really well late I think Nick Chubb if you can get him what do you think Todd third round maybe maybe second round uh, Nick these yeah. backs always drop a little later than they should maybe Nick Chubb if Sony Michelle goes before Chubb I would bet on Nick Chubb having a very solid productive NFL career yeah, Naheem Hines, Hines had a really good workout from NC State, and Bo Scarborough was another guy that, I mean, I don't know why we keep overlooking some of these workouts, but he runs a 4.52, it's 6'1.5", 228 pounds, so he's a big back. He has 40-inch vertical and a 10-9 broad jump. I think they were both the best, well, second best behind Barkley. Barkley almost doesn't count. Uh, second best vertical, and I'm just looking at it now. I think the best broad jump of all of all the running backs. And if you go study the history of this thing, it doesn't mean he's going to be a good back, but there is some correlation between the vertical and broad jumps and success at the NFL level. So I think Bo Scarborough, who you know came off the injury this past year, split carries at Alabama, didn't have a, a great final season, had a, a solid but not great. I think he he did some. He did some things here that will really help him when it comes to draft night. And I think we're probably talking about day three, but it could be earlier day three after seeing some of these explosion numbers. Guys, let's go to money makers on the defensive side of the ball. I'll get us kicked off. Mel, you said this guy needed to do well to get himself into the first round consideration. Lorenzo Carter mm-hmm. with a four five. Hey, Todd had said it before. Explosiveness, those 40 times, those 10 yard splits, those matter. For these pass rushers, I feel like Lorenzo Carter made himself a couple bucks. Who else from the defensive line pass rushing group made some money? Well, I think you look at the guys that, you know, I think guys maintain. Marcus Davenport maintained. Bradley Chubb maintained. Tremaine Edmonds maintained. They did what they needed to do. There's no question about that. But I think you look at guys like Rasheem Green, a 473 for a versatile kid out of USC. Go to Andrew Brown, strength numbers from Virginia, outstanding. We know how highly rated he was coming out of high school. Josh Sweat. Uh, we thought going into the year he could maybe be a first-round pick, kind of an underachiever. His numbers across the board were outstanding for Josh Sweat, highly rated coming out of high school as 
well, defensive end from Florida State. But I think when you look at Lorenzo Carter, we put the 4-5-5, number on him as an over-under. 4-4-6, 4-5-4, officially 4-5, 36 vertical, 10-10 broad at almost 6-5, 250 with long arms and huge hands. Lorenzo Carter, to me, if you pass him up in the first round, it's going to be tough now. And I think he's going to go somewhere, and I would project him. Now. I don't know, Todd Worrell, you'll have him in the mock, but it's hard to keep him out of the late first round now. Yeah, you called it. You you said he was gonna have a good workout, and he he did. He he uh, he really he, uh, this linebacker group. Whether you're talking off the ball or the hybrid three four outside linebackers, this group was was really impressive. Really, the whole defense, if you if you look at it in terms of some of the numbers they put up. Another guy I'll mention. I, I wrote down Carter and Josh Sweat. So she, you touched on two of the three I was gonna talk about. But Harold Landry, I think from Boston College, who. You know, his 2017 tape isn't as good as 2016. He struggled about halfway through the season with the nagging ankle injury. And he just, I finished his tape the other night. He, I don't know that a player got more attention on a defensive line than, than Landry did because the rest of that unit just isn't, isn't that great. And so teams were fanning their entire protection his side, double teaming him, not making excuses. It just, it is what it is. And so Landry is not great versus the run, but he's got some special tools, almost like a Vic Beasley. It may take him a little time to develop at the next level, but once he learns how to use his hand and widens his array of pass rush moves, he's got a chance to be really special. And you just saw with the 1-5-9 split and the 10-yard the, um, the split, the 4-6-4 40-yard dash at his size, He's uh he's got a chance to be a good pass rusher early in his career and hopefully for his sake develop into a uh, a, a more consistent all-around player but th- he put up some really explosive numbers. Mel money makers in the secondary. I realize mm-hmm. a couple of them are still running but we have a lot of times. I know there's guys that solidified their stock mm-hmm. like a Denzel Ward going 4-3-2. Mm-hmm. Who from these corners and safeties a bunch of guys ran pretty fast. Who who actively moved up a little bit on that Kuiper big board? Well, I think you look at the we thought he could, and he did, as Jair Alexander from Louisville. Under 4-4, had the injury this year, but when he was healthy, was a really good player, can help you in a return game. I think Jair Alexander, Anthony Averett, under 4-4, athletic, corner from Alabama, uh, I think solidified his position, or at least he's going to get in that second-round discussion. Uh, Josh Jackson, he was kind of like Lorenzo Carter in terms of that 4-5-5. For Carter was a number. You probably would have put 4-5-8 on Jackson, 4-5-5 before. He runs 4-4-9, 4-5-6 out of I. With his length and his production, uh, I think he'll uh, get his state, remain where he was. And uh, Shaquem Griffin, we got to talk about, Todd. The versatile, you know, versatility oh, of Griffin. Story. Great story. We'll all know that. But to run 4-3-8, same as his brother did he last set year. fire to that 40-yard dash, man. He's <laughs> just unbelievable. He's near 230. His brother was 194, ran the same 44-3-8. Uh, you know, 20 reps. I mean, again, you want him on your team. We were thinking maybe fifth, sixth, seventh round. Todd, in the fourth round, could you pass him up? No, and he's a special dude too. I mean, he the energy he brings. Just watching him here, I've spent time with him, covered a couple games, and, and gotten to know him a little bit. And just watching him here and the crowds that gather, and he's he's just an inspiration. And he's he's also forget the, even the story with the he's just a really good football player that brings energy to the field, and guys just want to be around. So I, it really can't happen to a better guy. And it's been fun to watch here in, in Indianapolis, just the attention that he's gotten and how in stride he's taken all of it. So it, it, I think to me, it, that's the story. Saquon Barkley was for the first couple of days, but, but I, I think he stole the limelight and, and Griffin 
deserves everything that's coming his way right now. Let me ask you a quick question. The highest yep. he possibly could go in the draft, Griffin? Late third, but I'm guessing I, – I, I think fourth is fair because mm-hmm. I don't know that he's an every-down player. I think that he's a sub-package player who can come in and play that overhang where he can cover a little bit, he can rush, and – and then he is going to be, I think, a really good special teams player because he's got the mentality, and Lord knows he's got the speed to go down and cover kicks. So I, I think, uh, I, I think fourth round makes makes a lot of sense when you look at it. And another guy I wanted to mention too that that um, I didn't get to with the the defensive side, the two lane pass rusher Ade Aruna. From as mentioned, Tulane really productive in you know, 16 tackles for loss, nine sacks in his career. He put up some numbers that were just crazy, Mel. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I I've done his tape, and but I didn't know about him about a month ago. And then to to look at the workout that he put in it was uh, was just really impressive. He's he deserves attention as a player that I don't think many really knew about coming out of Tulane. Six four and a half, 262 pounds, long arms, 34 inch arms. Ran a 4-6 flat, had a 38-and-a-half-inch vertical, one of the best of all the defensive linemen, a 10-8 broad, one of the best of all the defensive linemen. Just across the board, his numbers were amazing. Yeah, and the other Tulane Greenway uh, defender, uh, Nickerson, ran 4-3-8, I believe, Todd. So, uh, you know, Tulane had two defenders that uh, certainly did well uh, combine time. Guys, one one capper on Griffin before I want to shift gears here. Mm-hmm. You know, Griffin did say, you know, to his credit – Hey, he'll, he'll, he'll learn how to play safety. He'll learn how to play cornerback. Obviously his brother, his twin brother is a corner for the Seahawks. So, um, at least in the family, somebody knows how to backpedal, but yeah, he, he definitely took the right approach to it. He's an undersized guy, reminds you size wise a little bit like a Telvin Smith, but he said, yeah, he's willing to do some different things. And I think Todd hit the point. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's probably a sub package type, but the guys that run in the four threes, you can find a way to get them on the field. Certainly special teams. Fourth round isn't too early for aces in that category. Guys, next five, six minutes here before we hit the AFC South, I want to look at the guys that are what they thought we were. And by that, I mean like the Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley, you guys have said this is maybe the best player in the draft. At 233 pounds, goes out, lifts a ton like a good old lineman, and then he goes and runs 4-4-1. Again, at 233 he did everything. He solidified his place maybe at the top of your boards through the end of this process. On the offensive side of the ball, Mel, as you look at your top 10, top 15, anybody else who you think they just locked in their place, they're not going to fall that far based on what they did in Indy? Well, uh, the list I would go to, you mentioned Barkley, but Josh Allen. I mean, <laughs> the other quarterbacks were in all of the kid. You, know, you just see them, and you saw it at the Senior Bowl. You saw it at the Central Michigan Bowl game. You saw it throughout his career, rare arm strength. There's very few that have rare arms. A lot of guys have really strong arms, but the rare arm strength he has, uh, willingness to learn, competitiveness, he has. A, he checks every box except that completion percentage, which if he had as a five more layups a game, it would be a little higher. But I think Josh Allen certainly has upward. Mobile upward momentum and the arrow pointing up. Will he be number one? Who knows? But I think Christian Kirk, A&M, just looked like a really good player. We expected him to be a late one, and I think he solidified there. Quentin Nelson, obviously top two, three picks overall as possible for the guard from Notre Dame. Connor Williams, we know about the injury this year. Didn't play that great before. Against Maryland, he had some struggles late in that game, but uh, you know, I think you know he did well. Numbers across the board, very good for Connor Williams from Texas. So offensively, uh, those would be the guys I would highlight, Todd. On the defensive side, I, I thought the linebackers, 
really, as I mentioned, the whole group is it's impressive, but the, the off the line linebackers, we've got more first rounders this year than in terms of grades, at least than than we normally do. I think Tremaine Edmonds from Virginia Tech, he's just a unique freak. He's 19 years old now. 19. That's amazing. And he's six, four and a half, 254 pounds, 34 and a half inch arms. And he goes out and runs a four, five, four in the 40 yard dash. He had a good broad jump of 9-9, and his field drills were what impressed me the most. A guy with that wingspan and that length can move the way that he does. I just think he's a top-10 pick all day long. And you look at like the Niners, uh, the Raiders at at picks 9 and 10, respectively, after they they got the coin flip figured out and Gruden lost to John Lynch on that. So the (laughs) Niners are picking at 9 and the Raiders at 10. And so I I think if he's available then – it would be a great pick for either of those organizations, but uh, but he may go earlier. Rashawn Evans from Alabama. I thought he had an excellent workout. He's kind of more of a thumper. We knew he had some speed, but the thing that stood out to me, he reminds me a little bit of Dante Hightower. I've mentioned that before. I know they have different body types, but in, in the fact that they are both underrated kind of sneaky pass rushers coming out of college, where yes, they can cover. Yes, they're great versus the run. But you see some flashes in, in Evans like you did in Hightower coming out where you say, you know what, we can utilize him. And the Patriots have done exactly that when he's been healthy. And this this um, three-cone drill from Evans is really indicative of his body control and the pass rush ability that he has. He ran a 6.95. If you get close to that 6.9 number, 6.9 is really the number. And very few guys who have run a 6.9 in the three-cone have gone on in the league and not have had success rushing the quarterback, which is strange to think How one drill could be Van so indicative. Then, Todd? Van Der Esch was unbelievable, too. Uh, three cone was 6.88. So those are two guys, and I was going to mention him. He had a 10-4 broad. I mean, his whole workout was awesome. And so that's another one. So you're talking about Edmonds, Virginia Tech, Evans, Alabama, Van Der Esch, Boise State, and then Roquan Smith ran a 4.5-140 and looked really smooth in all of his drills. So those four guys, I think, all have a – at the first three, Edmonds, Evans, and Smith. And I, now I think Van Der Esch has a legitimate chance to get in the first round with those other three off-the-ball linebackers. Guys, as we wrap this up, a, a few minutes here before we hit uh, the AFC South, just take a look at the quarterbacks. Obviously, the combine is famously derided as, oh, you know, they're not throwing against anybody. But it is that final chance where – Mel pointed out with Josh Allen, you do get to see all these guys stand next to each other. You get to see physical comps. You get to see arm strength comps. You get to see them all next to each other, really, for the only time in their lives. Mel, what stood out in terms of just these guys, in terms of who has solidified their stock, and maybe if it's even possible, and what you're hearing on how these guys interviewed and things like that, who might be moving up? Well, I don't care about 40 times in verticals for quarterbacks. It really doesn't matter. So it gets down to, I think, the interaction, as you said, Chris, the interaction yep. is important. I think you saw Allen, and it was just, I wouldn't say a man among boys. That's a little strong. But at this combine, Josh Rosen didn't have the wow factor that you thought in in this scenario, Todd, with the artistic, pure passer and all those things, and he's used to everything they were going to ask him to do. He was kind of all over the place, and his accuracy was what, if Allen would have thrown the ball like Rosen, 
Everybody said, oh, that, well, now we know why he completed 56.2% of his passes. But, you know, Rosen, that wasn't a concern. But in this particular situation, in this venue, it was. So he didn't, I think, wow anybody. And I thought Allen did. Uh, Mayfield was fine. Uh, you know, and then the whole thing about Darnold. If I'm Darnold with that delivery, I understand why. And he could say, to me, that would be a reason why I'd say on this particular turf, on this field, in this situation, I don't want to have everybody looking at that delivery and seeing how different it is from everybody else's and, and having in two, three weeks to talk about it. So I'll go have a pro day. But then everybody, when you don't throw, Todd, everybody else did, which made it worse. Everybody else threw and worked out. He didn't. And they say, well, he's not the competitor. And I don't like that aspect of it. Todd, did it bother you that Darnold didn't throw? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I, I mean, not at, not one little bit. The guy was 20 and four as a starter at USC. He brought them back numerous times. Every time there was a clutch play to be made, it seemed like he delivered. Penn State game's a great example, but also late in the Texas game, late in the Utah game. You guys, are, we've talked about it before. Three-sport athlete. He was a linebacker the majority of his high school career and so was you that know, moved over to, to quarterback his last year in, in change. I mean, this – compete, please. That's That whole thing is a joke, and I, I think it's – the narrative that comes out of the league, I understand they want to see everyone, and so they, they put this pressure. It's, it's almost like complaining about a call. Bitching about a call is a, uh, like with the umpire in baseball. So you're yelling, you know you're not going to get him to change the strike or ball call, but you're trying to work it for the next call, for the next throw. And so I, I think that what, you know, the NFL folks are doing, and understandably, is they want to make sure that, that if they put pressure on Barkley, that the next guy, is going to be like, I don't want to be that guy where, you know, Mayock and Eisen are, are talking negatively about me and, and reports are coming out from, an, of course, anonymous scouts and so on and so forth. So uh, that to me was the big, most overblown storyline of, of the combine this year. Mel, put a cap on it. Who? Well, let me jump in real quick, Sproul. One, one guy that really surprised me a little bit and talking to guys in the league, there were multiple guys that agreed with it. Tanner Lee. I thought he had a rough week at the Senior Bowl, and I, I his tape is so up and down. The turnovers and a lot of picks and yeah. all of that. But the the thing with Lee is the size is there, the arm strength is there. When his feet are right, he actually can be accurate, and he hangs tough in the pocket. And he, you know, he's not going to shy away, and, and he'll stare down that gun barrel. So even though he's making some mistakes, and not all of them were his fault, you know, he didn't have great supporting cast. At, both places that he was. But uh, the Nebraska quarterback was, I thought of the, let's say, third tier, you know, the late round free agent type quarterbacks. He was the most impressive of all those guys. Mel, cap this off before we hit the AFC South. Among the types, you had Chase Litton, Mike White, Luke Falk, Kyle Laletta is your kind of 10 through 7. Any shuffling there out of Endy? Uh, very underwhelming, a lot of these quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson on down. I, it just, it's thrown against air. It's new guys. I, you're not going to go crazy over this. So, uh, you know, did anybody well, you know. So, you're going to adjust things? Not that much, I don't think. Uh, I think, you know, what do you glean from it? I don't think a lot there. Uh, kind of got what you expected from Josh Allen. I didn't get necessarily what you expected from Rosen, but hey, you know, it, it is what it is. Pro days are coming up, uh, you know, pretty soon and we'll see there. So, I'm not going to shuffle them much. Beyond what I had, I had him coming off the board. Allen, Darnold, Mayfield, Rosen, Jackson. Next, I, I wouldn't. You, I wouldn't I, change the way I had him coming off the board. I think there are two things you can take from this, from the throwing thing, and they're not very, very big. One is it's an apples to apples comparison of arm strength. You can get to see the velocity on the field, 
And two is our guys struggling with the, the drops, three, five, seven step drops. Guys that, you know, there, there are a few guys here that took zero snaps out of, you know, under center, zero. And most of them, even, even Darnold, I mean, we saw the percentages. It's basically for most of these guys outside of Allen. What was it, eight eight percent for Darnold or four Not no even. four point something percent? Yeah. Rosen was uh, they were all under eight or under, except I think Allen had thirty something percent. So, just watching how they progress and then the pro day, see if they're continuing to improve. But you're not going to draft a guy. You're not going to not draft a guy because he, he hasn't gotten his footwork done because this is the first time he's ever been asked to do it. I mean, most of these guys were full shotgun in high school, vast majority in college. So, but you can see some progression if you're, if you're studying it from, from this point to then the pro day and then when you have the individual workouts with these quarterbacks. Yeah, just, just to sum it up, I, just watching Matthew Stafford when he was coming through the ranks and, and seeing out, you see that arm. It's, it's just rare. Burt Jones, John Elway, rare arm strength for Josh Allen. Guys, we hit the combine quickly, and now we're going to jump into the AFC South, get a little bit of your mail, and then get out of here before Todd has to do 37 more TV hits. The Indianapolis Colts. Gosh, there's some really nice options here, guys. If you're the Indianapolis Colts, Todd, you have the possibility of Quentin Nelson, maybe solidify the inside of your line. They haven't been able to run the ball much during the Andrew Luck era. Man, that would be nice. Maybe you get a great pass rusher and Bradley Chubb. Be nice to rush the passer a little bit. No more Mathis, long gone past the days of Freeney. But maybe you can trade down. What are you thinking here? Well, a lot of it has to do, obviously, with what the Browns do at one. If they take Saquon Barkley there, then then he's off the board, obviously. And the Giants, are they going to trade out of that spot? And you, But you would assume that – a team moving up to that spot would be going up maybe for Barkley, but highly likely for one of the quarterbacks. So if, I mean, if you're a Colts fan, you're sitting there for the first 30 minutes of the, of the draft and you are rooting hard for the Browns and whoever's picking at number two giants or, or others to take a quarterback, because if two quarterbacks go off the board, you have your, you have your choice. I personally, it would go in this order for me, it would go Barkley then it would go uh, Quentin Nelson, which I know it's a guard, but he's a damn good guard. And he's a guard that you're going to plug in and is going to start for 10 years. And the the biggest threat is interior pass rush for a quarterback. And Andrew Luck has had trouble staying healthy. And you, you A, need to protect him. And B, if you can take away that, you know, the, the three technique, the guy that is penetrating up the field from the opponent – now you you really have set yourself up without having to double team. You really can take care of the rest of the protection. So he would be number two, and then Bradley Chubb Mel would be my third option at that number three spot for the Colts. Can't argue with that. Mel, I'll ask you this, though. Who helps you more, Nelson or Barkley, or is it, now that we're saying damn on this podcast, damn near a toss-up, according to Todd? <laughs> Dang on it. Uh, <laughs> you say, uh, I would say, I would say, 
when you look at the Colts, and I think you can make a strong case for Nelson, that you can. And you know, I talked about inside pressure. They hate it. you got a guy coming off of a significant injury where he missed an entire year. So I think Nelson, if he's Steve Hutchinson, that was my comp, and everybody's copied that over the last, say, month, but uh, Todd has and others have, uh, to Steve Hutchinson. So I went back to the numbers of Hutchinson across the board. They were very comparable to Quentin Nelson. So if you want a Steve Hutchinson, who went around a mid-first round area when he came out, Hall of Famer, in my opinion. So I think you look at Hutchinson, if he's that good, yeah, why not? It's like saying, okay, a slot receiver. I mean, some always argue if the slot receiver catches on the ball, he's as valuable as a wide receiver. What's it there? Hey, he's a great slot receiver. Why are you going to knock him? So it's the same thing with a guard. But some will argue philosophically and just in terms of their so-called system of evaluating players and their theories and their approaches that you don't take a guard in the first round, let alone the top five or the top ten. In this case, the third pick overall. So uh, I think Nelson, for them, though, with luck situation, makes sense. Now, whether you want to say you can't take a guard at three, if you're a team that believes that, then you'll take them. If that's the way you believe it, then fine. Skip it. But if you want to be practical about it, it would make sense. The Houston Texans. Mel, I'll let you get us started here. Not a lot of fun, but we can get you into your depth chart a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because obviously the Texans don't have a first-round pick this year, but they also have Deshaun Watson. We have to assume Deshaun Watson's going to be back and healthy um, obviously that's going to be one of the stories of fall camp, assuming he is. He's got Will Fuller. He's got DeAndre Hopkins. Got some nice options in the passing game. CJ Fedorowicz has come along. I don't know. They might not have to make a move on offense. If I'm there, I'm starting to wonder about the long-term health of JJ Watt. I think they were probably already worried about it mm-hmm. before last year. Uh, maybe thinking we need to start shoring up a little bit, pass rush, defense. Um, I've had some nice hits at linebacker the last couple of years. What are you thinking when you think Houston looking at best players that are going to be there in round two, round three, so on? Well, I think the offensive line, you mentioned wide receiver with Fuller staying healthy throughout the, the long season. We'll see about that. Um, but I think defensively, Clowney special. We know that Cunningham, who they drafted out of Vanderbilt, that Cunningham could be a heck of a player as well. Uh, you don't want the defense to fall off. I get what you're saying, but I think you got to keep helping Watson. I think you keep improving the line, get him another weapon, keep allowing Deshaun Watson to stay healthy. He's had a couple injuries now. He had the knee injury this year. He had it. With Clemson. So you don't want this to be multiple and have the third, fourth. So I think the Sean Watson, same thing for Andrew Luck. The offensive line, you got to make sure you solidify and keep improving that area and add a weapon to the arsenal for a guy like Deshaun Watson. I would tend to agree. I, I think we're going to see probably a balanced approach. I mean, they obviously spent a couple picks getting Deshaun Watson last year. Then they go to in the second round to Zach Cunningham. And they draft four-minute running back out of Texas and then an offensive tackle. So two years ago, it's the first three, four, four picks were all on the offensive side with Fuller and Nick Martin and Braxton Miller and, and, uh, Tyler Irvin. So, you know, before that, it was a little bit more focus on defense. I, I think now you're in a situation where you have no idea who's going to be available at that point, but you're looking for guys that fit your scheme and you're looking for weapons, protection, around the quarterback position. Let's face it. The only way Houston is making a run at the Super Bowl is if they keep Deshaun Watson healthy. He's the deal. Defensively, you got to keep getting getting better, but but if Watson's healthy, we saw this year, they've got a chance to to be a really good football team. And so you got to make sure you do everything in your power to put him in the best situation. Basically the the anti Andrew Luck. You got to do everything you can to make sure you put the guys around him to let him succeed. The Tennessee Titans. 
The Tennessee Titans were not part of the playoff picture, but you forget this is a team uh, that won a bunch of games, and they feel like they're pretty close. Uh, A lot of it has to do with Marcus Mariota and his development. Obviously, it was an uneven year from him. They're one of the few teams, though, in the NFL that actually likes their tackle situation on the offensive Mm -hmm. line. Taylor Lewan, Jack Conklin, you could do a lot worse so the question is, where do you go from there? They have some really good players on both sides of the ball. I think the, I remember Todd talking about how he liked the emerging depth of this roster at this time last year. And frankly, uh, frankly, they, they made some strides. They just didn't make the kind of strides that had to be made to overcome a surging Jags team in that division. Todd, as you look at this roster now, where does it stand out in terms of what they need to do to get that next win or two that makes them a lock for the playoffs? Well, I think they need to continue to try to get guys around around Mariota. I mean, they tried last year, fifth overall pick, Corey Davis. Just not Taiwan Taylor, the yep. third-round pick, winds up producing more. Um, you know, the Jack Conklin has been a win at the tackle position, as you mentioned. They spent uh, – what a third round on, on John o. Smith from Florida International last year. They've spent a second rounder the same year they drafted Mariota on Doriel Green Beckham. They just need to hit on a receiver and they need to hit, I think, on another tight end. I think this would be a good year. I mean, to me, if you're sitting at 25, if Dallas Goddard is there from South Dakota State, that's a win. If, you know, I'm not as high on Hayden Hurst. I'm, I like Hayden Hurst. I think he's the second best tight end. I don't know that I'm dying to spend a first round pick on him, but I think that's around the range where you start to consider. Gasecki, to me, out of Penn State is not as good as the workout numbers indicate, but he's great when the ball's in the air and that makes up for a lot of sins. So I think tight end's a possibility, interior offensive line, and I think an edge rusher. They could use a, another edge rusher on that, that football team. So, Depending on who's available at that spot, I think there's a drop off after the first two in Chubb, Bradley Chubb out of NC State, and Marcus Davenport from uh, UTSA. But there are some other guys like this. Is, could be malware. A Lorenzo Carter kind of fits into the picture for some teams in terms of the the bottom half, maybe the last ten picks of the first round. Yeah, that's where you get into Harold Landry, Lorenzo Carter, Nuoso from USC, probably more of an early to mid two, but I think edge right rusher, interior of the line, and I think you think about this team right now and you look at where they are in terms of the draft positioning it probably can fall at that spot where they can get one of those players at that spot, whether it's Isaiah Wynn, if you want an interior guy, whether it's a pass rusher of the guys we mentioned, and they're running back. I mean, you think about Naheem Hines from NC State, thought he would be one of the fastest guys he was. Dante Jackson, the corner at LSU, also we thought would be one of the fastest he was. But Hines is versatility. you got Murray's situation. you got the, the, the straight-ahead pounder in Henry. To bring in a Hines, to bring in – now, Mark Walton didn't run well. He didn't test great, obviously. He's going to have to have another pro day. And we'll see if that numbers numbers at four six forty and the numbers improve. But somebody, I think, down the line, if you don't want to take a pick on a Ronald Jones or a Darius Geis, you need a running back at some point. And I think the running back position will allow for somebody like Hines in the third or fourth round, you know, Walton down the line a little bit uh, to be there and maybe be somebody that they can bring into the fold. And don't forget, this is obviously a whole new staff here. You have Mike Vrabel, you have Matt Lafleur, you have Dean Pease. So. It's going to be a different look for the Titans. A lot of the same faces. It'll be a really interesting offseason there. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Mel, the Jacksonville Jaguars have already solved one of the mysteries of the offseason. Blake Bortles is going to be back. The question is, 
I'm wondering if it, it manifests itself at some point in this draft. Who's he throwing the ball to? Because Allen Robinson's status is up in the air. He will not be franchised is what we're hearing. You had the playoffs with Allen Robinson hurt, with Marquise Lee dinged up where you had guys like Keelan Cole, D.D. Westbrook, Jadon Mickens mm-hmm. making catches from Blake Bortles. I'm not going to get into a Blake Bortles debate here, but who he's throwing the ball to is certainly a question. And, you know, we know this is an all-world defense. Can they score enough points to make up that difference? Uh, basically, the, the the reason they were not playing in the Super Bowl, they just couldn't score enough points to make up for what their defense is doing. Yeah, Cole, for an undrafted free agent, had a heck of a rookie year. And I think you look at you know the situation that these guys are coached very well, and they've developed some players. They had the unfortunate injury to Robinson, but I love the way they're coached up there. Uh, I think you look at the situation in terms of the offensive line, the way they played and protected at key situations. They came through. The tight end, Lewis, is a blocker first, receiver second. He's getting up there in age, obviously, elder statesman on that team. I look at Dallas Goddard. I gave him Goddard uh, with the 29th pick in the last mock Todd, whether it's you know, Goddard, Hurst, Gasicki would fit because he's not a blocker, but he's an outstanding receiving threat. But I think Goddard at that point for Jacksonville, the tight end position, I think a pass-catching tight end is the number one need on this football team. Yeah, I agree. And I gave, I gave him Hayden Hurst in my last mock draft, and I think, you know, Goddard, Hurst, Gasicki would make sense. Wide receiver, as you guys mentioned, you just got to get playmakers around. The other thing I'll say is, it's important for people to know, and I'm sure if you're a Jaguars fan, you've, you've figured it out by now, but that the contract that Bortles signed is not one that prevents you from spending an early pick. I'm not saying they're going to spend the first-round pick on a quarterback. Maybe they will. But It's a great I point, think when you look It's in the, a one-plus contract. Second, yep. Yeah, in the second day, don't be surprised if this team is, is looking at, at the quarterback position and trying to figure out, you know, is there a guy here that we can develop? Maybe someone that has the tools but needs some needs a little bit of time. I, I think it's a legitimate option for them. I mean, the problem is who is you know who's that guy? You know, is it Mason Rudolph from Oklahoma State? Is it Kyle Laletta from Richmond? I, all of those guys to me project as backups. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see after the first four or five guys. Lamar Jackson, will he be on the board there in the late end of the first? Would that be tempting? I don't know. Just some some food for thought. Well, we have a stack of mail coming out of the combine, as you would expect. And uh, we'll let Mel get it started. Mm-hmm. Mel, uh, at RZW Brown, asks, what is the deepest position in this draft outside of running back, assuming that running back is? Deepest position in this draft outside of running back? Uh, I think you look at the overall depth in terms of the defensive tackle spot. I look, I think there's a lot of guys there. Nathan Shepard at Fort Hayes State, sent out at South Florida down the line, settled Virginia Tech, uh, and then the guys at the top. Uh, I think defensive tackles turned out to have some decent depth. Overall, I think you look at this, the secondary, I think there's some corners. I think there's some depth at that spot uh, where you can find some guys later in this draft that can help you. I think the fact that McFadden didn't run well will push him down at Florida State, but we mentioned some of the guys that will be bumped up, and there's a lot of guys that Mike Hughes running that 4-5-3, four, 4-5-4, five, Four, whatever it was, it's still probably in that first round mix. That's I shouldn't hurt him that much. But I think corner, there's some guys, slot corners. I think there's some depth at that position as well. Todd, Polly Pocket at high school goes ass. Does Rashawn Evans, that's Bama, fall to the Patriots in round one? Is he a good fit there? 
He is a good fit. The only way he falls there is if we get some medical back, you know, from the, the combine medicals and, and each team looking if we get some information back that would be concerning about that. But as a football player, he's he, I think he's one of the best 20 players in this draft. And I think he did nothing but solidify that with his with his workout. As we talked about earlier in this podcast, he came out and and ran a really good um really good time in the what is it the three cone I think it was and, and his field drills were outstanding mm-hmm. I think Evans had a, a good showing here and will wind up being a, to- a top 20 pick like I said if, if medical isn't an issue he would be a great pick for the Dallas guy I gave him the Dallas at 19 with Sean Lee's situation with the fact that they need mm-hmm. that guy that point. provides great versatility if he's there for the Cowboys at 19 Todd I'd have a hard time passing him up Mel take this one Mario Chajon if I can mm-hmm. say that right ass they miss out on Cousins. Think the Jets would consider Baker at six? Broadway Baker? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think they would. Uh, I think they got to consider a quarterback and, and figure out which one they love. I think Rosen could be there and Mayfield could be there, and that's the decision that's going to be. I think Darnold and, and Allen will be gone by pick six. Now, Todd, you can chime in on that whether you agree or disagree. I think it's down to Darnold or Allen to be the first quarterback off the board. Rosen and Mayfield next. I went with Mayfield to the Jets, not because of, I actually found out about the Broadway Baker after I had projected Mayfield to the Jets, Todd. So it was I didn't put him there because of that, but it sounded good after the fact. Poet and he doesn't know it. Todd, James English asks at Hollywood 114, recent busts out of the first round of wide receivers certainly last year was plagued by injuries. And no Julio Jones type in this draft. Could it be just Ridley in round one? Is that it for wide receivers? My gut tells me no, although my grades tell me say yes is the best way I could put it. I, I think – there are a couple guys that with the workout numbers that will wind up maybe later in the first round. Cortland Sutton is one of them. Christian Kirk, I thought, had a really good workout. Jordan, lastly, if you get comfortable with his character and you think he's maturing and, and you've got that handled, then there's a lot of love for lastly. Um, James Washington Certainly Null is put in his first round. Yep. Um, yeah, so those are some of the names. DJ Moore has moved up. DJ Shark from LSU had an awesome workout. Dante Pettis didn't do, uh, didn't run, but, uh, but he's a, a talented player coming out of Washington. So there, there's a lot of talent at wide receiver. It's just, I don't know that it's first round talent. And even with Ridley, I mean, he ran in the four fours. That's great. We said he has to run well because he's not that big. He's six foot and a half, 189 pounds, has a, has some drops on tape. But he's great after the catch, and he's one of the most advanced route runners I've evaluated ever coming out of the college game. But what is with those jumps? I mean, <laughs> he ran I, – I, it was 30 – there were 37 receivers that worked out, and this broad jump and vertical jump ranked 36 and 37 out of the guys here. It's just it's, – it's hard to figure out why – if you have the lower body explosiveness to run in the 4-4s four – should at least be, you know, in the middle of the pack. I, I don't know that it's gonna, it's not gonna cause him the first round, but it, it causes you to take a look at it and say, all right, is there something here I'm missing? Yeah, I agree. And I think you compare those numbers of Ridley to a DJ Moore, and it's not even close. Ridley, Ridley and Moore is 40 time, Todd. When you look at that, and you say, okay, Calvin Ridley at 443, DJ Moore at 442, and you got a 39 and a half vertical to a 31, an 11 broad jump. Okay, down to a 9-2. That, that's staggering. 
the difference between a DJ Moore's explosive athleticism to Calvin Ridley. It doesn't equate. You didn't, you never would have thought that would be that much of a difference and it would be that low for Ridley. It's gotta put, send you back to the kind of, let's, let's do this again. Let's see if this was a mistake. Let's see if you can improve upon that. Nobody could have predicted that for Calvin Ridley. And to me, you still think mid first possibly, but is he going to drop into the late first? Where's Christian Kirk? I think Christian Kirk goes somewhere in the first round of A&M as a slot guy return man, but DJ Moore, hey, I'm not saying because he's a Maryland Terrapin. I'm not saying that. But DJ Moore to me, you could, you, you'd be hard pressed to find a better receiver in this draft than DJ Moore. I think two years, three years from now, Todd, you know, hey, we'll see where these receivers are, but DJ Moore, and not just a workout warrior, but an impressive player. Go back to the tape, Todd. You'll watch DJ Moore and you'll like him. Well, we've heard it here, folks, guys. Mel Kuyper says it takes a bad year at wide receiver to get a Terp up this high. Shocking. I think that's kind of caps news. it off. Breaking news. <laughs> guys, uh, yeah, thanks for the, uh, thanks for the emergency podcast to break down the NFL combine. Hit some money makers. Excited to be able to say Shequim Griffin is one of them. And certainly, uh, certainly a lot more to be done. Right away, we get going with Bama Pro Day. Couple weeks from now, Georgia Pro Day, ton of these guys. USC, we get to see Sam Darnold throwing. That's going to be exciting. A uh, whole bunch left during this draft process. Also got to the AFC South today. Guys, thanks for jumping on. For Mel and Todd, I'm Chris. For more Todd, turn on Sports Center for the next, I don't know, 10 hours, sounds like. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash PodCenter.